0: Welcome to the World Impact Ministries Sermon of the Week with today's message by Pastor Beverly Rayfeld. So I want to finish up where I did not get to go last week. So last week I was teaching on sifting and how it comes directly from the enemy with the end goal of overthrowing our faith. That is always the enemy. The difference between pruning, which is what David has been teaching on, pruning is always for our benefit. It makes us more Christ-like. But when sifting comes, it is always from the enemy and it is to completely destroy us. It's to destroy everything we believe about God. And we have to know the difference between those two. So get the message from last week and you'll hear the difference. So this, this sifting comes directly from the enemy with the end goal of overthrowing our faith. I also shared with you that the, that the place that I can go back to in my life several years ago where a time of sifting began and when this thing hit it marked me. It, it marked me like I'd never been marked before. There was something in me that turned away from God in that moment I have been doing everything I know to do, God, and you still did not protect me. I have done everything that I know to walk in obedience to you. How could you let this happen? And so I realized that in that moment when this thing hit, that there was a part of me that turned away from God and I stopped trusting him, not completely. I've preached a a lot from this platform. You've watched me worship. My life is very real in the Lord. I don't stand up here and pretend to speak about something that I'm not experiencing. But I realized even as believers, there can be pieces of us that turn away from God in a given moment and we don't even realize it. So what we do is we tuck it away, and we don't think God is going to move in that particular area. It's just an area that we just have never seen victory in, and it's an area that plagues us to a certain degree. We can ignore it for a while, but the thing keeps popping back up every once in a while to remind us and to make us think that God has not moved and will not move. And I want to confront this type of, of uh places, these places in our life, I want to confront them this morning because God wants to confront them. He doesn't want any place in you that is off limits to him. And he doesn't want you living in any place where you don't trust him completely. And so at the, the, the passage of scripture that I was in last week was where Jesus said to Peter, Peter, Satan, he desires to have you. He has asked to sift you. But Peter, when he comes, I have prayed for you. I've prayed you through this already. Before he even touches you, I've prayed you through. That, that We were blown away. That blew me away last week. That revelation, that even when Satan comes to sift, Jesus has already prayed us through. But see, there was a part that the very end of that passage that I didn't get, have time to get to last week. And so I'm going to pick up where I left off. After Jesus has reassured Peter that he's prayed Peter through the completion, before the testing even began, Jesus says this, and Peter, when you've returned, strengthen your brothers. That sentence right there means, Peter, you're going to turn away for a moment. This testing, it's going to knock you for a loop. It's going to knock you off your block, Peter. Peter. But when you've returned, strengthen your brothers. Peter, when you leave the self-reliance behind. Peter, when you trust only in me. When you change your mind about what you believe in me and what I can do in your life. When you stop depending on yourself and others and lean entirely on me. When, 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 when you have returned, when that thing that you've given up on, when you turn around and you fully bring it to the Lord and you surrender to him in spite of what it looks like, when you have returned. And that, that, that word return, it actually means repentance, which is something we don't hear often taught in the church anymore, but this is a must And it is a must because after all of my years of serving the Lord and as passionately as I stand and I walk with him, I woke up two weeks ago and I heard the voice of the Lord the moment I woke up and he said, Beverly, return to me. And I realized that that place where he put his finger and three years ago where the enemy came to sift me, I was hurting and I had not healed and I no longer trusted him. And the Lord was saying to me in that moment, Beverly, return to me. Repent of your unbelief. Let me restore you. Restoration does not come until we repent of the turning away. I did not reject God. I'm not living in a, a double life. I'm not walking in, in um, unconfessed sin, but there was a place in me that had turned away from God. I didn't trust him with this. I don't see you moving there, and it's hopeless, and I don't, I don't trust you anymore with this. Unspoken words, but that was a condition of that place in my heart, and I heard the Lord say, Beverly, return to me. Return means to have a change of mind or walk in the opposite direction in that thing. I had broken faith with God in that area of sifting. I was overwhelmed by it. I couldn't do anything about it on my own. I want to read from you in Isaiah chapter 30, verses 15 to 18. And I'm going to, leave, I'm going to read it out of the, the voice. That's actually a, that's actually a Bible called The Voice. Isaiah chapter 30 verses 15 to 18. It says, listen, the Lord, the eternal, the Holy One of Israel says, in returning and rest, you will be saved. In quietness and trust, you will find your strength. In returning, in repentance. In quietness and trust, you will find your strength. God invites his people to lean only on him. If they will just stop their busyness and their self-reliance, God will be able to take care of them. But this is what he says. I've told you to turn and trust in me, but you you have refused, the word of God says. It says you couldn't sit still. Instead, you said, no, we will ride out there on horseback. Fast horses will give us an edge in the battle. But those who pursue you, this is what God says, they will be faster still. When one person threatens, a thousand will panic and flee. When five terrorize you, all will run in chaos. Until you are as conspicuous as a single flag standing high on a hill. He's saying, you start running at, one, at some point, you're going to be standing there all by yourself. You keep running, and you don't return to Him, and you don't trust Him. There's going to be a time when you are going to be the, the, a conspicuous, a, a, a flag high on a hill. Nobody, very few people, can reach that. It's this place of being alone. It's this place of feeling like you're the only one out there, an island unto yourself. Meanwhile, see, meanwhile, the Eternal One yearns, desires to give you grace and boundless compassion that's why he waits what is he waiting for he's waiting for us to return in that place where we broke faith that's why he waits because of his boundless love and his great compassion for the eternal is the god of justice those inclined toward him waiting for his help Will find happiness, will find wholeness, will find victory, will find strength, will find justice. You name it. Those who wait, those whose faces are turned towards Him, trusting. And so I want to talk to you this morning. I'm going to give you the summation of my message in my first sentence. This is where we're going this morning. So see, I had to come back and return to him and repent over that place where I broke faith with him. And what happened is the very moment that I returned to him in that area and I submitted and I surrendered, there was, a, there was just a, a change that took place in my heart. And, and the next uh, two days later, um, that heaviness wanted to come back over that sifting, And David saw it, and he was very aware of it. And before he left for work that morning, he came over to me, and he put his hand on me, and he said a very simple prayer. And guess what? I didn't feel a thing shift. Nothing. Very simple prayer before he walked out the door. He could tell I was still not in a good place. He could tell that my mind wanted to go back there. And he put his hand on me, and he said a very simple prayer, maybe two or three sentences. And then as he was walking out the door, he turned around and he looked at me. He said, Beverly, put your worship music on this morning and see what would have been easier for me Because in that moment, I didn't want to feel anything. When you're being sifted, you shove down the feelings because they're not good. They're not fun. And you repress and you suppress and you go shopping and you drink and you find a drug. You find something that will medicate that place that you have broken faith with God. Anything to make those feelings go away. And yet, the Word of God says that he is waiting, waiting to bless us. And so even in that moment, my husband said, put on your worship music. And I'm thinking, nope, I'm going to go get a gob of money. And I'm going to go to the mall. And I'm going to spend the entire day shopping. I'm serious. And I'm not a shopper. So you know how far. I I am not a shopper. I barely know where the bathrooms are in that mall anymore. Avoidance. That was my thought though. I would rather go get a ton of money out of my savings account and just go blow it all because then I don't have to feel this thing. But see, what I did is I listened to my husband. I didn't feel anything when he prayed. But when he said, go put your worship music on, I actually listened. And after he left, I went and I began to get ready for my day and I put my worship on. And the minute that worship music began to play, something hit me, and that thing broke. And as I was praying, I'm telling you, when life is heavy and hard to take, when you do not know where to go in that place that you have broken faith with, when life is hard, worship harder. That's the summation of my message. When life is hard, worship harder. When life is hard, worship harder. It changed everything in that moment. I'm going to give you a couple. See, this isn't just me. This is the word of God. Those places that we have broken faith where we say there's no hope. I'm angry. I'm tired. God has not moved the way that he said he would. My husband's not acting right. My children are off running roughshod throughout the world. Who knows what's going to go on with them? My finances are a mess. There's nothing in my life that adds up. When you are in a place where you cannot see the end of the tunnel, turn on your worship and get in the presence of God because where God is, where the presence of God is, the enemy cannot tread. I have never been in a place of deep worship where the enemy has even had a moment to speak a word into my head. Ever. Worship will silence the voice of the enemy right in front of you. I've got two passages of Scripture that I want to take you to this morning. And the first is in 2 Chronicles 20. I'm just going to demonstrate this. The Lord always gives me little illustrations, and this morning as I was getting ready, this necklace that I'm wearing, it was an absolute mess. It, it, was, it, was, it was tangled. Um, I was trying to untangle it, and my, you know, it just, there was nothing, I couldn't make anything out of it, I and I thought I was untangling this mess. Um, I couldn't figure out what end was what. I couldn't figure out what to loop through, what to get it untangled. I was just sitting there doing this all over the place, because I was in a hurry, and that's what you do to untangle your jewelry when you're in a hurry, you just shake it all over the place. And as I was shaking this thing all over the place, the Lord spoke to me. He said, that's where you were a couple weeks ago. You were, you were as tangled as this necklace, but you began to worship me, and you began to, 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 to violently worship me, and you began to get, yes, violently, loudly, and I'm going to give you these passages, and Beverly, it just shook everything out, that shaking As you began to worship, things began to shake. Remember, when Paul and Silas were in prison, and they were bound, they had been beaten and flogged. Um, They were in pain, and yet it says that they began to sing. They began to pray and sing songs at midnight, and it says that they began to sing, and they began to worship. The earth began to shake Everything got to quaking, and the, the chains fell off, and the prison doors opened wide, and everybody, it says everybody, was free. When they began to worship in the middle of their pain, in the middle of the most impossible of circumstances, everything began to shake. You want things to straighten out in your life, you start worshiping. And I'm not talking coming into church on a Sunday morning and singing a few nice songs. I'm talking about a worship that overtakes you behind closed doors. A worship that you cannot contain. A worship that comes up out of you before you even know the words that are coming. They're coming and you cannot contain them. It will rock your world. Your life is hard. Worship harder. You want to see God move? Get moving. This is not a message for the light. This is, I'm telling you, there's an intensity in what I am teaching you that is biblical. In 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 20, King Jehoshaphat had just found out that there was a vast army that had been assembled against them. Did you know that King Jehoshaphat's army was over a million strong himself? So you can imagine if there was an army coming against them that was going to overwhelm them, this was a massive, vast army, and he was, very, he was very taken aback. He was very concerned about this. It says that he was, he was um, uh, uh, horrified, and um, he began to inquire of the Lord. And as, as he called the people, they began to fast and pray, and as they were fasting and praying, the Spirit of God fell on a young man, and he began to prophesy, and he says, this battle's not yours, it's God. It's, al- it's already won. This one is already done. And so they—they they, it says that they fell down and they worshipped the Lord. They worshipped God. They fell down and they worshipped God. And the next morning, um, in that prophetic word, they had said to to go out against this ar- this massive army. And that prophetic word also directed them as to exactly where this army was going to be at. And so the next morning, the Jehoshaphat gets up and they um he calls the people together. And he gets them ready to go marching out against this vast army that they don't have to fight. Isn't that awesome? They're going to go marching out against this vast army that they don't even have to fight. But it, was, it wasn't what Jehoshaphat did before that moment that impressed me. It's what he did as they were preparing to go out against this army. See, God didn't tell him to do this. But see, the day before, they fell on their faces and they worshiped. And in that place of worship, everything changed for him. His perspective completely changed. Worship will change your perspective. And so in that moment, that, that next morning as he's assembling his troops, he calls the worshipers and the singers together, and he gathers them out, and he said, you're leading this charge. Not with swords, not with the weapons. He put the worshipers on the front line. They were at the very front says after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness, as they went out ahead of the army, saying, "Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever." And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. As a matter of fact, it says that by the time that the men of Judah came up to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward this vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. Worship is where the battle is won before you ever see it in front of your eyes. They fell down and they worshiped the Lord. And I could preach another five messages out of that passage alone. There's a lot in there. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take you to another. I'm going to take you to a couple of scriptures this morning. I, I, and you need to see these because they're profound when it comes to worship. I want you to know why worship is essential when your faith is under fire, when everything around you is falling apart. Number one, it shifts us from the battlefield to the victory circle. Worship shifts you from the battlefield to the victory circle. Isaiah 42, verses 10 through 13. And I'm going to read this for you. It says, Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the ends of the earth, you who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you islands and all who live in them. And you're thinking, what does this have to do with battle? Just stay with me. Let the wilderness and its towns raise their voices. Let the settlements where Kadar lives rejoice. Let the people of Selah sing for joy. Let them shout from the mountaintops. Let them give glory to the Lord and proclaim his praise in the islands. The Lord will march out like a champion, like a warrior. He will stir up his zeal. With a shout, he will raise the battle cry and will triumph over his enemies. How did that happen? They were praising and worshiping the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, it says. They were actively engaged in worship. They were not just coming on Sunday morning for a nice little time of worship. They weren't coming and singing a few nice songs that they knew all the words for. As a matter of fact, sometimes I stand here on the front row and I don't know what the words are in the song, but there's my own song of worship that comes out from from, up from the inside of me. This is essentially saying that worship releases triumph. Psalm 22.3 says God is enthroned upon the praises of his people. You might hear it said God inhabits the praises of his people. And if you get into all the, the theology about that, you'll have people that say, oh, that's not what it means, or that's not. When I look at this particular scripture, it says God is enthroned upon the praises of his people. Enthroned means that he inhabits, he dwells, he sits down among, he remains there, he abides there, and he settles there. But I want you to hear something. The root word when we when the, in, in the praises um uh, enthroned as the holy one and he sits on their praises that word praises is adoration thanksgiving act of public praise but the root word is halal and this is what this is where it gets really good this is the kind of worship I'm talking about this morning the tithe, the kind of worship that brings the enemy to his knees see the goal of the enemy is to bring you to yours when you step into worship you bring him to his I'll let you, I'm going to, halal means to praise, to boast about loudly, to commend, to glorify. It actually says to become a fool, to rave, to celebrate, to act clamorously foolish. Like King David, he worshiped so hard his wife called him a fool. That word halal means to clamor foolishly before the Lord. A great outcry, noise, exclamation made by a loud human voice continued or repeated by a a multitude of voices. It says to stun with noise. That word halal means to stun with noise. You stun the enemy when you praise him in the form of, of that halal. h-a-l-a-l he is enthroned upon our praises god's throne is the governmental center of this entire universe what he says goes and when i'm praising him his throne is right there he's enthroned on my praises the government is right there the authority is right there sometimes we want to pray our way out of a situation and god says will you worship me through it Worship silences the enemy. I'm going to give you the passage of Scripture. In Matthew 21:16, Jesus said, Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. And when he said that, he was actually quoting from Psalm 8, verse 2, which says, Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained praise, which means strength. You've ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. He's ordained praise. He's ordained strength. Praise and strength in that, in that context are inter, in, interchangeable. He's ordained praise because of our enemies to silence the voice of the avenger. So perfected praise and worship is the ordained strength which silences the enemy. Do you see why worship is vital when we are in warfare? I'm going to give you one other passage, a scripture that you can read through at home. What time are we at? Cuz I want to give time for us to worship because I I'm telling you 10:36. We're going to move we're going to transition into this corner it, it, the it, the corner where we're going to actually go into the worship part of our service because it's essential once we know the power of worship that we step into it. 1 Samuel Chapter 30, verses 1 to 25. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to share the story with you. David and his company of 600 men had been, they were serving in the military. And in the process, they had left their wives and their children in Ziklag unprotected. And a group of Amalekites, longtime enemies of Israel, had come to the village. They'd taken their women and children for slaves. They'd looted the place. They carried away everything of value. And all that was left was a smoking pile of rubble. And it says, now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, uh, uh, they burned it with fire and had taken the women captive. I've said all that. So David and his men came to the city and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. When David and his men arrived home, all that remained was a heap of smoking ruins. Everything was gone. The wives, the children, everything that they'd worked for, they had lost everything everything what do you do when your faith has been overthrown what do you do when you feel like everything is hopeless it is interesting right here to note that um, David' his men, his men how they reacted to their terrible loss they turned around and and it says David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and they wept until they had no more power to weep they, they were they cried until they were completely cried out how many times have you cried until you were completely cried out? And even at the end of that weeping, nothing had changed. And his men actually turned to him and said, we want to stone him now. So here's David who was leading this army, the people that were supposed to be alongside of him. A bunch of them turned against him and said, "Uh, we want your head because you're you're responsible for all this. David had lost as much as the rest of them. David's only worldly possessions at that moment were the clothes that were on his back. Everything was gone. He could no longer say, my house or my city, my possessions or my family. But what he could still say is, but my God. And the word of God says that when he was in that place where everything had been taken, it says that David strengthened himself in the Lord. But. All that was gone. And it says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. Do you remember what I said last week that word but means? Remember, I told you these butts in the Bible are the biggest butts you'll ever see? That's what I told you. Do you remember that? Do you remember what I told you last week? What, what does the word but mean? It negates everything you just said. David had lost everything, and the men wanted to steal him, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. Meaning, what just happened, what I'm about to say and where I'm about to go, it's going to change that. The word but challenges what just happened, and it completely marks a transition into something new. And that's where David was. And so David, what he did is he began to strengthen himself in the Lord. And when you go into the Psalms, anywhere you read in Psalms, you will see where David was encountering the enemy, but he was praising God anyway. Where you will see everywhere you go in the Psalms where David should have been overwhelmed with hopelessness and he admitted where he was, but he was always turning around and he was praising God. Will you worship him through it? Will you turn back to him and these places where you have broken faith, where you don't believe for your marriage anymore, where you're angry and you're crippled and you're bitter, these places that you don't feel God can redeem, these places that you are holding against other people, these places that don't seem like they're going to change, these places that you're holding against God, will you turn and trust in his complete reliability to move on your behalf? And let me tell you, when you do, when you get in this place of worship and the worship begins to come up out of your mouth, you know what's happening is you, be, you, be, you are the most pro- prophetic, powerful um, mouthpiece for your life. You all want a prophet to come and preach to you. Do you understand that the greatest prophet is in each one of you over your life, and it comes through worship? Worship changes the way we live. It absolutely confuses the enemy. when life is hard, worship harder. But I want to I remind you of something, that in that moment where David was confronted with great loss and people were angry at him, he had a choice to make. He could have turned tail and run, and he could have cashed it all in. I am sure that when he stood there looking at that burned rubble, that he wondered where God was because he was off thinking that he was doing the will of God. Where were you? Why didn't you have my back? Have you ever felt like God did not have your back? But he turned his face to God, and he strengthened himself in the Lord. I want the worship team to get ready. I'm going to read something to you, and this is where I want to challenge you this morning. Strengthening yourself in the Lord is an intentional act. When it says David strengthened himself, the Hebrew verb actually implies persistent and continuous effort. He didn't worship God always because he felt like it. There is nothing passive about seeking out God in the times that we are in places of great difficulty. Sometimes we need to do what David did, and we need to grab ourselves and speak a stern word to ourselves. Just as David did in Psalm 43, 5, he says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? He's talking to himself. Hope in God. He's commanding himself. Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him. The help of my countenance and my God. David himself was proactive in prophesying over his own life that was in despair. Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. He told himself, hope in God. How many of you need to tell yourself regarding that place of sifting? Hope in God. Oh, my soul, stand up. Praise him. Give God the glory that is due his name. I want to read something to you out of a Bible study that the ladies did uh, a couple months back and it talks about how worship is a prophetic act that releases breakthrough. Worship is a prophetic act that releases breakthrough. Agreeing with heaven actually requires more than just repentance of the mind. True repentance is accompanied by the fruit or evidence of repentance. In other words, you need physical proof to make repentance a legally binding reality. See, when I heard the Lord say, return to me, I repented. But the outward act of that was when I got into worship. By lining my physical body up with what the word says, I bring my whole being into agreement with the truth. In doing so, we will experience that physical obedience brings spiritual breakthrough. This will seem backwards to those who hate the idea of ongoing religious motions, and that's not what we're talking about here. For more information about this or other media resources, please visit our website at world-impactministries.com. Thanks for listening to this Sermon of the Week. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by this message.